Uh, how many of you guys here tonight, you, you come from a Catholic church or Catholic tradition? Let me see your hands. Come on, wave them up high like you're proud. Come on. Like that, that's your tradition, okay? Um, well, we, we love all Christians. We love all people, um, uh, especially Christians. And we, we would never knock uh, the Catholic Church. I've got some great friends from the Catholic Church. Obviously, I've got about, I don't know, 200 friends here tonight. It looks like it came from the Catholic Church. But, but raise your hand if you used to recite the Apostles' Creed, perhaps growing up in the church. Maybe you learned it at an early age. Come on, keep your hands up. Wave them. Wave them like this at me. Okay. All right. Well, um, what I want us to do tonight is I want, I want us to stand to our feet right now. I want you to go ahead and stand up. And what we're going to do, and you might be wondering why we're doing this because this is not a Catholic church, but um, the Apostles' Creed, if you don't know, it's basically a short summary uh, statement of, of basically what all Christians believe, whether you're Protestant, whether you're Catholic, it doesn't matter. And this was put together several hundred years after Jesus. Of course, it was not written by the Apostles, but by believers who basically captured what the Apostles taught and put it into this short summary statement. So here's what I want you to do. If you really believe what we're about to read. I want you, as we say it together, I want you to say it boldly. Can you do that? You say, I don't know. It's from my Catholic church. Can, do I have permission to do that? Yes, because this is basically truth from the scripture. So as we say this, will you say it with me? And will you say it boldly? Come on, I got to hear from y'all tonight. Y'all got to help me. Okay, here we go. Let's say it together. Say it with me. Come on. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. Come on, say it. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. And you say it. Come on. Amen. Put your hands together if you believe it. Give God praise. And then turn to your neighbor and slap him a high five. Some of y'all say, I've been wanting to slap my neighbor for a long time. Come on, slap him a high five. Tell him you're a believer. Come on, slap two high fives. Come on, tell him you're a believer. Come on, and then have a seat. Have a seat. Now I can tell tonight y'all are a wild bunch. Now I'd I like for y'all to talk to me. Will y'all talk to me tonight? I'd like for y'all to talk to me, and uh, if I say something even half true tonight, I want you to start shouting for Jesus. Not at me, but uh, shout for Jesus, and uh, th this should be a, a very energetic atmosphere because we've got a lot to celebrate. We have a lot to believe in, don't we? Um, and, and so we, we recited this, with this creed because uh, I think it's a great reminder of, of, of what we believe, and not just what we believe, but come on, who we believe. We believe in Jesus, and we believe in the Father. We believe in the Holy Ghost. And so tonight, what we're going to do for the next several hours, I'm just teasing. It's not going to be that long. Basically, hopefully for about 30 minutes, we're going we're gonna to do this and then pray. But we're going to do this for about, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. And what we're going to do is we are going to look at some foundational core teachings. And um, how many of you guys like to go to the gym? Yeah, me neither. Uh, come on. But raise your hand if you go to the gym. All right. Now, I don't mind going to the gym. I just don't like lifting them weights, right? Someone said, why not, Pastor Scott? said, because they're so heavy. Come on. Um, I don't mind going, but I don't like doing a whole lot when I get there. But ne it never fails. Wherever I work out, no matter which city it's in or what gym it's in, wherever I've lived, there's always at least one dude up in the gym that's got big old biceps, big old chest muscles. You know the type. Come on. Kind of like me, you know. What are y'all laughing at? 
No, you, you know, I'm talking about the big dudes, right? You know the type I'm talking about? The type that can like bench press a house, can just lift a car, flat tire, no problem. You know, that type that, that's real big up top. But then if you follow that guy into the, to the locker room, you know, he takes off his pants. He's got little bitty Mr. Potato Head legs. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Talk to me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, get on the leg sled, son, and work them legs out. But, but so we, we work out those up, you know, those visible muscles, but sometimes we neglect, come on church, we neglect the core, we can neglect the foundation. Tonight we're going to talk about the foundation, and I want to give you two foundational professions that, that never wear out, that never get old. You're going to need these till the day that you die and go to be with uh, Jesus in heaven. And the first one is this, come on, say it with me, I believe in God. Say it with me, I believe in God. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe in God? Do you believe that profession? Well, that's the first statement. Man, I believe in God. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what the scholars say. Man, I believe in God more today than I ever have. I believe in God. But, but number two, it's good to believe in God, but it's also necessary to believe that God is able to do everything that he says that he can do. As R.C. Sproul, one theologian, said, it's good to believe in God, but it's another thing to believe that God is exactly who he says he is and that he can do exactly what he says that he will do. And I want to direct your attention to two scriptures tonight that really highlight the power of God for all of us. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, here are the scriptures that I want to highlight for you. First of all, Ephesians 3.20 says this. This is the Apostle Paul. And this was, of course, for the church in Ephesus, but this is also for us tonight. He says this. Now to him, who Who's the him? God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus. Now to him who's able to do far more, I love that, far more what? Abundantly, far more abundantly than all that we ask or what? Now, I don't know about y'all, but I can think of a whole lot. How about y'all? I can imagine a whole lot. But he says, to the one who's able to do far more, one translation says exceedingly and abundantly more, far more than all that we ask or think according to what? The what? Come on. That's at work where? In, in, in us, those who believe. In John 14, 13, Jesus says this, whatever, don't you love that? Whatever you ask in whose name? In my name. He said, this I will do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, I love these passages because it's just like, here you go, church, if you just believe, if you just trust, you're going to see this power at work in your life, a power that will enable you to do what you couldn't ordinarily do. How many of y'all know about that power tonight? When you get the Holy Ghost inside, you're empowered to do what was previously impossible. You get that new power at work in your life, and then you get new promises in your life that whatever you ask for, in Jesus' name, he said he's going to do it. So if you're sick in your body tonight, if you're, if you're sick in your soul tonight, if you're having financial struggles, how many of you guys know your problems are big, but your God is even bigger? And that he's just waiting for you tonight to come to him with some what? Some faith, not just believing that he exists, but believing that he is able to do, come on, far more and abundantly, far more than you could ask, think, or imagine, church. That's the type of God that we serve. That he's able to take us from where we are to where he wants us 
to be. Now, let me illustrate, if I can, the tension that we face here. I've said we got to believe in God, but we have to believe that God is able. I've said that. I think y'all got the point. But let me, let me give you a quick illustration of what this means and the difficulty that arises uh, when we, well, begin to place our faith in God. There's a man in the 19th century named Charles Blondin. Anybody heard of Charles Blondin? Charles Blondin was, well, I think he's crazy. Uh, he was crazy. Why is that? Because, well, he was a tightrope walker. And he was the first person that we know of that was able to stretch a rope across Niagara Falls and walk from one side to the other. About 180 feet over the falls. I think it was about a quarter mile across. And, and Blondin, we're told, uh, would, when he stretched this rope, I think we have a picture here of this nut. There he is. Come on. How many, how many of y'all hate heights? Like, I can't even look at that. I can't even look at that. But, but here, here he is, and there's the rope. And so Blondin would walk across the rope back and forth, not just with that, the balancing deal, but history tells us that, that Blondin would walk across, and he would walk on stilts. He had a unicycle. He had a bicycle. He would ride across this rope. Can y'all imagine such a thing? He actually, at one point, walked out, and he had a stove. He bear-hugged a stove and had this rope around it. He cooked an egg standing on this rope in the middle of thin air. How many of y'all know that man needed some prayer? Come on. <laughs> this man, he's crazy. But, but he, he would go back and forth, and people from, like, all over the world would come and watch Blondin go back and forth. And on one occasion, he, he got a wheelbarrow, and he put some uh, potatoes in it, and he pushed that wheelbarrow across. And he came back to the other side, and he approached the crowd, and, and he said to the crowd, who here believes that I'm able to put a person in this wheelbarrow and go from one side all the way to the other? And the crowd chanted, we believe. Come on, say it with me. We believe. We believe. They would chant his name. And they said, Blondin, you're the greatest. You can do anything. And so the crowd's into it. And then Blondin said, okay, great. Who would like to be my first volunteer? <laughs> Crickets. Y'all tracking? No one volunteered. Why? Well, they believed in Blondin, but they didn't believe that Blondin was able to take them from one side to the other. And see, we come to church and we say we believe. How many of y'all know it's easy to believe in here? Okay, it's easy to believe in church. When I get preaching real good, when Pastor Josh is preaching real good, Pastor Bubba's preaching real good, you're feeling it, right, in worship. It's easy to believe here, right? How many of y'all know it's another story when you go out those doors into the pressure cooker of your life and you look in the mirror, it's your own issues. Come on, how many of y'all have issues? I'm going to preach on this in just a minute. Raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. We got issues. You ever look in the mirror or look at your spouse? You're like, I don't know if we're going to make it. We got some big issues. And we, we look at the problems in our lives and I don't know about y'all, there's sometimes that I doubt if I'm going to make it to where God uh, to the destination that he has for me because I know about the issues and the problems and the obstacles in my own life. And I think about, God, what is it? Let me just tell him myself. Are y'all okay if I confess something? Can I, can, can I make my confession to y'all? Y'all aren't sure. You're like, I, it depends. <laughs> What's he going to say? Um, something that, that I struggle with uh, historically is, is fear. 
Fear. Y'all ever deal with fear? Am I the only one? Okay. Um, I, I never struggle with fear in the category of finance. That's one area that God just always provided, but I've struggled with fear as it applies to other areas of my life. Um, how can I explain this? Um, th there are three things that I really hate in life. Y'all ready for this? Here are my three in this order. Uh, water parks, germs, and heights. And those all go together. How many of y'all know public water parks? Some of y'all just got that. Some of y'all get that later. Uh, that some public water parks are like public bathtubs. You didn't know that. That wasn't in your head, but you're going to leave here. You're not, you're not going to be able to go to a public water park. We were just at a public water park um, this, um, it was actually early spring, and um, man, the fear just kicked in. I'm with my little girl, and we, we went to the water, and, I, and I'm watching, I'm observing, I'm thinking about germs, and I'm thinking about heights, and like I'm just a wreck. But I, I got my little girl with me, and we're walking in, and and y'all, I'm telling the truth before Jesus that we're there and about, I don't know, the water's about this deep. And uh, all of a sudden I look back and a lifeguard comes out from the, from the little booth there and he comes out with some plastic gloves on, Pastor Josh. And I'm, what's he going to do with them plastic gloves? And I'm like, backing up. Come on, baby, get back, get back. And, you know, he kind of walks over and you know, kind of looks around and they back everyone up. It's he and a couple other people back them up. And then he's got these gloves on, y'all. And he goes down in the water and he cups something out, draws it out. And then he, 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 he doesn't know that I'm watching. And he, he dropped it. And I couldn't see what it was. And I walk back over and I'm looking at him and I'm kind of getting under it and groups all around. He goes and cups it again. Y'all, and he's showing it to his buddy, and then he drops it in the water again. And, and, and y'all know what it was? <laughs> Come on. How many of y'all have a fear of floaters? <laughs> when he dropped it, I'm like, there's no way I'm getting back in the water. And I go to my wife, Kelly, I said, baby, this is what happened. She's like, it doesn't matter. You, your, your kids are here. You got to get in the water. I said, I'm not getting in the water. She said, you got to get in the water. I'm not getting in the water. <laughs> I'm not doing it. She said, you've got to go down the slide with your 10-year-old into the water. So we've got germs now and heights together. I said, I'm not doing it. She said, you better go. <laughs> in my house, I submit to her, y'all. And uh, so I, I manned up, and I went to the top with my 10-year-old. And uh, y'all, the man of faith that you see standing in front of you tonight, I, I, I went down that slide with my eyes closed, screaming for the glory of God. And I made it all the way down to the bottom, and I had enough faith to do it again. Come on, church. Come on, I'm a man of faith. Lord, help me. <laughs> I face my fears, y'all. I don't know about y'all. My, my favorite part of the water park was the, uh, the lazy river. Come on, how many of y'all, that, that's your speed, where you stay on top of the water. You're not getting in the water. Uh, but but I, overcame, I overcame my fear. But, you know, it's amazing how the devil will, will, will grip you with fear, whether it's something silly like that or 
How about another example? I'm telling on myself tonight, but not too long ago, I was convinced that I had cancer. And that's a very serious thing, isn't it? He said, well, Pastor Scott, how did you know that you had cancer? Well, because Google told me so. <laughs> come on, hypochondriacs, you better. Come on, put your hand up if you're a hypochondriac. Yeah, put your hand up. You got, you got WebMD saved in your bookmark. I, I, was, I was convinced that I, I had cancer, and I went to the doctor, and thank God I didn't. But, you know, it's just amazing the way the devil can, can mess with you. But, but how many of y'all know, even if I did have cancer, how many of you know that our God is bigger than every fear, than every sickness, than every issue that we could ever face? And the Bible says that he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And, the, and, and the, the, the word of God just came alive to me with this scripture. You can write it down. I don't think it's in your notes. But in Acts 13, 36, it says this. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, then he fell asleep and was buried. Don't you love that? That, that David, he fulfilled God's purpose for his life. And then what happened? Then he went on. Let me just speak this over you. If you have the fear of death over you, and I just rebuke that now in Jesus' name, you are not going to die. You are going to live out all the days that God has ordained for you. I come against death. I come against that threatening voice of the enemy that's spoken to some of y'all. I rebuke it in Jesus' name, and I speak God's word that you will live out. Come on, church. We will live out the full number of days that God has set aside. You better get excited about that because the day of our birth and the day of our death is in the hand of the Lord, not the hand of the devil. Come on, somebody. He served God's purpose in his own generation. And then he passed on. Let me tell you something. You're going to be here as long as it takes to pull off God's will for your life and to live as Christ and to die as gain. That it's a win-win situation. If you live, you're fulfilling Christ's purpose for your life. If you die, you're now with Christ forever. Either way, the whole thing's rigged, y'all. We win. Come on. We win. But here we see, I'm going to give you a quick passage. And forgive me, this thing is like killing me. Um, I want to show you a passage tonight, just briefly, that, that really illustrates and elucidates what I've been talking about. You can turn in your Bible if you want to Matthew 8, 18. And we're going to look at this just briefly. And we're going to pray here in just a few minutes. But, you know, whenever you see somebody do something stupid in the Bible, um, just go ahead and just say, you know, looks like something I'd do. If you see somebody do something good, just be like, if it's something bad, I, I, when I'm reading about Peter especially, I'm like, man, that, that's like me. That's like something I would do. Here in this occasion, on this occasion here in Matthew 8, 18, uh, Jesus gave his disciples this call, this order to go to the other side. And he's inviting them basically into this relationship and really into the boat to go across the sea to this destination. And the Bible tells us that his disciples got into the boat because in their minds, what could go wrong? I mean, we're going to be with Jesus. What could possibly go wrong? Well, <laughs> let's read together. And behold, Matthew 8, 24, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. 
so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But what's it say? But Jesus was, he was asleep. And they went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of what? Of little faith or little belief. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Don't you love this story? It's a great story. It's a picture of you, and it's a picture of me, and probably the way we would respond in this situation. And I read this not too long ago, and I'm like, Jesus, why would you ask disciples, your own disciples, to get into a boat, and why would you lead them into a storm? See, sometimes we think about, about God and Jesus and this whole Christianity thing that if we become Christians, that it's going to be easy because we have these promises that, that God's just going to show up right when we ask, that everything's going to go smoothly, and it's just going to be, you know, kind of a tiptoe through the tulip fest. It's just going to be easy like that. But how many of y'all know Christianity can be one of the most difficult things you ever do. As, as I mean do, walk out. Christianity is difficult. Following Jesus is difficult. Because it's not just, hey, come and live your best life now. Jesus says, come and die to yourself. Come and walk with me and talk with me. And sometimes Jesus will lead you not just into the, to, to, to the field of tulips, but he'll lead you actually into the storm if you follow him closely. And I read this, I'm like, Jesus, why would you do this? Why would you invite them into such a difficult situation? And here's what the Lord gave me, and you can fill in your blanks as we go through these rather quickly. Number one, why would Jesus lead the disciples into a storm? Why would he lead you into a storm? Number one, first of all, to remind them of their need for the Savior. To remind them of the need for the Savior. How many of y'all love those easy, prosperous seasons of life? Come on. How many of you are in that type of season right now? Everything's great. You're blessed. Your account, that is your bank account's pretty full. Nobody? Praise Jesus. I know what to pray for. Um, <laughs> come on. Raise your hand if you're in a good season. Let me see your hands. You're in a good season. Okay. Thank God. Give it up for everybody that's in a good season. Let's celebrate that. <laughs> praise God. Praise God, you're in that great season. And I love those seasons. Um, I love it when things go my way. Anybody else? I love it when I'm on Kali Kaboom, you know, there in Lafayette. Kali Saloom, you know. And, and I'm, I'm driving down the street and all the lights are green. Right, right as I need them to be green, you know. And I'm... Whoosh, you know, dodging the traffic and, you know, and I love it when I, I get to my destination on time. I love it when I go to Starbucks and they just hear my voice and they're like, ah, Mr. Adams. And they order, you know, they basically make my order for me. Don't even have to ask what I want. They just hear my voice pull up and there it is piping hot coffee. I love it when, when I go home and like Kelly, my wife, like just listens to what I tell her and like she just does what I tell her and she bows down and calls me master. Big Papa, or <laughs> there's some song about that. Take that off if we can. Um, 
I love that. Do y'all, do, I might be the only one that um, likes that. But how I many of y'all know that never happens in my, in my family? She never says master. She never calls me big papa. But that would be, that would be really awesome if that happened. But I love it. I listen, I love it when things go my way. And I love those seasons when I get my coffee hot and everything's right. Everything's perfect. The kids are acting great. Because I get this adrenaline rush in those seasons. And I'm like, mmm. And I want to put it on, you know, that season on loop or pause. And I just want it to continue. Money coming in, MCI, money coming in, things going well. And I think a lot of us are like that. But, but here's what you need to know. Those seasons are great. But if those seasons continue too long, they will ruin you. They will ruin you. And you might get to heaven, but you'll arrive in heaven very immature. Because see, James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers. He said, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith develops steadfastness. And he said, let steadfastness have its full effect so you can be mature and complete, not lacking a thing. Which means that I, I, don't, I don't like trials, I don't like the storm, I don't like the hardship, but, but, but I need them in my life. Why? To remind me of the fact that I'm just not that good. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you just not that good. Do it right now. Tell them. They need to know. You just not that good. Turn to your other neighbor right now and say, you need help. Turn to your other neighbor and say, especially you. God sends us into those seasons to remind us that we're just not that good. And the, and the truth is, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. They say, well, of course I can't. Well, you can't do anything that will ultimately please God apart from Christ in you. Apart, me, apart from me, you can do nothing that's of eternal significance. Some of y'all have heard story of Muhammad Ali who got up on the airplane and the flight attendant was walking through and she says, ah, Mr. Ali, we're about to take off. I need you to put on your seatbelt. And he said back to her, ma'am, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she said, and Superman don't need no plane. Put on your seatbelt right now. Come on, we feel like Superman in those seasons, don't we? Everything's going good. Oh, I did this. Listen, all the good in your life, it's not from you. It's from above. Come on, every good and perfect gift comes from heaven. And you say, I got lucky. You didn't get lucky. You got blessed. And you didn't earn it. All you can do, church, is receive it and thank God for it in Jesus' name. <laughs> My little girl, Presley, we were watching Superman not too long ago, and she said, She's going back and forth, and we're having this dialogue. She said, man, I love Superman. Like, he's so handsome and strong. I said, I said yeah, does it kind of remind you of Daddy? And she looks over at me and goes, out of the inheritance. Get out. But we're just not that strong, are we? We're just not that good. And we need to go into those seasons. We need to go into the storm to be reminded of just how fragile and fallen and finite we really are. But as your notes say, Jesus has a destination for each one of us. But the storm comes to remind us that he is the only one who can get us there. He alone is the only one who can get us there. As your notes say, you can go wherever you want to go, but only Jesus can take you where you need to go. Only Jesus 
in the boat. Maybe tonight you're going through a hard time. Maybe you're going through a hard season. Listen to me, I don't care what it is that you're facing. I don't care how far you are out to sea. Tonight, if you just call upon the name of the Lord and you ask him to come into the boat, come on, he'll walk across that water. He'll get up in your boat. He'll get up in your life and he'll walk you to the other side from the boat to dry land. How many of y'all know that's the kind of God we serve? He walks on the water. He says to the wind and waves, you stop and they listen. If you're struggling tonight, I'm going to give you an opportunity here in a few minutes. You can ask Jesus in to your boat. If you've hit rock bottom, it might be time to stand on the rock at the bottom. That is Christ Jesus and ask for his help. Number two, why did Jesus invite them into the storm, into the boat? Number two, to show them that no storm, listen, no storm can overcome the Savior. That no storm can overcome the Savior. Y'all, I'm working this wire. Forgive me. Yeah, let me have that mic. I can't, I can't focus with that wire. I, feel like, I keep thinking I've got my son's snake crawling up my back. Come on, Satan. Get out of here. Thank you. Okay, now here we go. That, now I'm free. Thank God. <laughs> Number two, to show them that, that no storm can overcome the Savior. That's why, that's why Jesus let them out because <laughs> I love this. After Jesus awoke, what did he do? Well, he rebuked what? Mother Nature. You say, oh man, Mother Nature is so powerful. Let me tell you something. Mother Nature is no match for Father God and for his son. And you see, Jesus was asleep while the storm was raging. But when Jesus woke up, creation went to sleep. And the Bible says that, that Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. And what kind of man is this? That the created order listens to him. What kind of man is this that can actually be asleep in the middle of the storm? I don't know about y'all, but I want to know what's up in this man that enables him to have that kind of power. And how many of you know he was God, but he had the Holy Spirit in his life? Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit and therefore, he was able to move in the power of God. And how many of y'all know whenever Jesus speaks, the creation listens? And as we have, perhaps y'all have sung here, the wind and the waves still know his name. The wind and the waves of your own life, the storms that are in your own life, that in an instant, when Jesus speaks, everything goes to sleep and is calm. And what I want y'all to know tonight is that Jesus has all authority over your circumstances. And look in your notes, as I've written, as we have, you don't have to be fearful of anything when you are in the boat with the one who has authority over everything. If Jesus is in you, you don't have to be afraid. You can stand up in the middle of the storm. Because how many of y'all know hope floats and Jesus saves? And if Jesus is in you, church, no storm can overtake you. If Jesus is in your life, if Jesus is in your marriage, nothing can sink you. Nothing can take you down. Hope floats. Jesus saves. He delivers. When the peace of God rules you, no storm in life can sink you. 
The Bible says in Psalm 46, 1 through 2, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea. He's our refuge and he's our strength. In the storm of your life, in the storms that you endure, he's your anchor and he's your rock. Tonight, some of y'all are going through your own storm, a very unique storm. It might be financial. It could be emotional. It could be another sort. And some of y'all tonight are asking, you're, you're saying, Pastor Scott, I'm, I'm, I'm in this season. I'm struggling with my kids. I'm struggling in my body. I'm in it. What do I do? Well, here's what you do. As your notes say, rebuke, listen, listen, rebuke the storm, not the Savior. Rebuke the devil, not the Lord. Rebuke the storm that's come into your life. As we see in this episode, as the storm is raging, Jesus is what? He's passed out. And the disciples offered this, this subtle rebuke. It's almost like saying, what's up with you, Jesus? Like we're in this hard situation and you're asleep. How many of you guys ever feel like Jesus is asleep on the job in your life? Man, I felt that way before. How many of y'all know it just takes an instant like that? You, you pray God could, bam, show up. He could heal just like that. How many of you guys have ever felt like Jesus is just passed out? Come on, anybody felt like that? Come on, be honest. Those seasons when you cry out to God, God, I need you to save my child. I need you to save my husband. I need you to rescue. I need you to come through. Time is of the essence. And you look back and it's, Jesus is just passed out. No answer. No response. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? Man, I've been through those seasons. But church, here's what we need to remind ourselves of. God's got us. God's got you. And whatever you're dealing with tonight, say that right now. Make that your confession. God's got me. Say that. God's got me. And listen to me. If Jesus is asleep in your storm, don't wake him. Just praise him. If he's not worried about it, if he's not freaking out, then neither should you. Because, look at this, we, we get so upset and we start freaking out. Don't you care? Of course he cares. How many of y'all know Jesus, he didn't need the, the weather channel. He didn't need the weather channel app to see the storm coming. Listen, he is the Lord of the storm. Of course he saw it coming. And he sent it into your life for a time to do a work in you. Listen to me, church. What God does in you in the storm is greater than anything he can do for you when you get to the other side. It's that work inside. He's trying to get you and me to trust him and to call out to him and just believe him. Not just to believe that God exists, but to, to believe that God is able to do exactly what he says that he can do. Some of y'all tonight, 
you're in a hard, hard time. You're in a hard season. Don't wake him. Just praise him. We've got to learn to praise him through the storm. That's hard, isn't it? When your kids, your demon kids are acting up. When your bank account is running dry. Come on, you better praise him. You better stand up and you better praise him. And not worry about what you don't have and thank him for what you do have. Because come on church, we're blessed, aren't we? We've got so much. And see, when you begin to praise, you actually release the provision of heaven. See, see, God wants to hear from you in the middle of the storm, not a rebuke, but he wants to hear you get excited about who he is. If you can't praise him for something he's done, just thank him for who he is. God, you're a good God. You're an amazing God. I'm going to stand. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to keep on moving. Even if I can't see something happening, I'm going to keep on moving. Because come on church, he's a good God. He's a big God and he's able to do exactly what he says that he can do. He'll do it in your life. And as we close, I want you to think about this. If I can have some keys, it makes me feel better. Listen to me. Faith involves standing. Standing. When everything else in your life is sinking. Oh, I'm standing on the word. Oh, I'm trusting the word. Heaven and earth will pass away. But Jesus, your words will never pass away. The psalmist says, God, you've exalted above all things your name and your word. I'm not going to live by what I see. I'm going to live by what the word of God says. I'm going to trust that word. Church, you better trust that word. Anchor your soul in that word. Anchor your emotions in the word. And stand. T.D. Jake says, faith is standing even when you don't understand. God, I don't know why I'm going through this. That is the full extent. But I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand in Jennings. I'm going to stand against the devil. I'm going to stand against the curses of pride and poverty and prejudice. Come on, let's, we, we better stand against it. You better stand against that prejudicial devil. Are y'all with me tonight? That prejudicial devil. I'm going to stand against it. I'm going to, come on, man. I'm going to stand for my family. I'm going to stand for my wife. I'm going to stand for my children. I don't know what the other kids are doing, but for me and my house, come on, we're going to serve Jesus. I don't care what they're doing down the street. All I care about is what's going on in this home. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to stand. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care what trials come our way. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God, He's three in one. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in the power of God to raise the dead. I believe in God in church. I believe that God is still in the business of doing miracles because He's the same today, yesterday, and forever.